0: I guess we'll find out how open and inclusive <laughs> unity really is.
1: <laughs> exactly, that's what um, I'm waiting for.
2: Oh, listen, <laughs> listen. Here's here's the truth about any church: all are welcome to sit in the pews, but all aren't welcome to become ordained. <laughs>
1: Welcome to episode 26 of Pub Theology Live, a weekly conversation on life and faith over a pint or perhaps another fine beverage. Tonight's episode is brought to you by our official sponsor, Craft Beer Cellar.
0: Craft Beer Cellar is a family of retail craft beer stores focused on amazing beer, hospitality, and education with 25 locations in 11 states across the country. Visit craftbeercellar.com for a location near you. And Brian, we might want to uh, check with them and make sure that that's still right because they were opening a couple more, weren't they?
1: We should should make sure we're up to date. You
2: can win free beer from Craft Beer (laughs) Cellar. By joining the conversation you can follow us on twitter at pub theology using the hashtag pt live you can comment on facebook uh follow pub theology or really any of our pages i got some really fun comments about the topic tonight on my page and i'll be sure to share some of those uh with you um if you are listening to the podcast um via itunes or soundcloud or stitcher thank you for downloading thank you for listening and um, if you want more fun and hijinks, you can watch the video on our YouTube. You can watch this live Tuesday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m.-ish Eastern. and um, Or you can watch the YouTube video anytime on the website, pubtheology.com slash That's That's all I got.
1: Tonight, we discuss, is the wind a good analogy for God? What is Jesus saying when he uses this imagery? Is it possible for God to hide, so to speak? And the all-pressing question of, can a minister be an atheist? A United Church of Canada minister thinks so, but her denomination has recently decided otherwise. We discuss. Well, my name is Brian Burkoff. I am a pastor and writer living in Holland, Michigan. I'm author of the book, uh, Pub Theology. And tonight I am mixing it up and drinking a little single malt Scotch. Uh, This is some Port Charlotte, heavily peated Isla single malt that I got on my recent trip to Scotland. So
2: heavily peated does that mean there's a lot of dirt in it? Was it heavily
1: peated? It means it's got a uh, it's got uh, some smoke and some salt. The peat is like yeah, dirt. Dirt that they burn, and you know, so it the, tastes like dirt. The peaty bog, it does not taste like dirt, it does not taste like dirt. And by the way,
2: with us, uh, also is Tina Simmons and Ogan Holder. Welcome, guys. Thank you, thank you very much, uh, and welcome back to Tina, who was not here last week. Um, you know what, Tina, I know you said you had te- technical difficulties, but Brian and I had our theory that we're gonna uh, that I'd like to share which was, you know, you'd mentioned that are we going to stay long on the call because your boyfriend was getting back home and you wanted some reunion time. Um, And I use reunion in air quotes for those who are not watching the video. Um, And then next thing I know, all of a sudden you have, again with the air quotes, technical difficulties and some people make the call. So we just have a theory. Wink, wink. Oh, we've lost the volume. Can't hear you. Oh, we lost
1: the audio. I don't oh, think no. we can hear I wondered <laughs> how she was quiet through that whole thing.
2: <laughs> can you hear us? Because we can't hear you. <laughs> so while she's figuring that out, I'll introduce myself. Uh, I am Reverend Ogan Holder, and um, I'm the minister of Unity on the River in Amesbury. I don't know if they want me to keep saying that, given the stuff I see on this show, but I think they still exactly.
1: They're gonna claim right.
2: me um, tonight. Um, I'm going with an old standby because. It is like a humid, almost summer-like day today, so I'm going with one of my old favorites, the uh, Hogarden White, the Blanche. Ooh, yes, So nice, the white, nice crisp wheat bear for this humid evening. Um, so uh, you can unplug myself. Tina, do we have volume back, or do I got to keep? I got to keep improvising here. Nope, still no volume back. All right it wouldn 't be a pup theology live episode if we had
1: no no technical issues all right, so Ogan mentioned his congregation i 'm uh, also a pastor of a new faith community here in uh, the west side of the state in Michigan Holland United Church of Christ, and we are just getting started uh, so if you 're looking for an open minded thoughtful welcoming justice seeking community come check us out at hollanducc.org
2: so uh how do you that, feel on that dirty
1: whiskey <laughs> it's, it's a beautiful thing by the way smoky salty <clears throat> a fine drum so how do you feel about the wind do you like
2: it love it or hate it well like everything um i think in moderation so not e- not not, not enough wind it gets sticky and clammy, too much wind, people die. So, you know, somewhere in the middle, nice, happy middle, just a few knots to, you know, take the perspiration off your face. Then I'm happy with
1: it. All right. All right. See, as you don't have to worry about this, at least at present, but as someone who has generally had too much hair going on at any given time, ah, the, yes. the wind always felt a little uh, disruptive or, you know, out to get you.
2: But I thought that was supposed to be a good feeling—the wind in your hair. Like anytime I hear with the wind in your hair, it's always romanticized as a ball. I think that's probably
1: true. It's it's only self-conscious, uptight people who don't know what their hair is doing. People like me who find it an issue.
2: But uh, but you have, but your hair is not the your hair is generally isn't it generally more the curly variety? You don't really have that.
1: I know that's the thing. It's curly, so it's just going to return to
2: form anyway. So get over it. I see. Well, yeah, as with, with me with the clean shaven scout, that's nothing I ever had to uh, really worry about.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's just it blows right by. But you're right. I mean, uh, th- and there's a difference. You know, I, I love a cool breeze when it's or even a warm breeze when it's a hot day. It kind of breaks up the, the heat and the monotony and it's refreshing. Uh, cool breeze off the lake. If it's a high wind, though, that can be that can be tricky. So, in the Gospel of John, Jesus says, The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Is Jesus using wind as an analogy for God there? And um, what do you think he's trying to say?
2: Well, I I think it's not uncommon to have weather-related weather related phenomenon uses metaphors for god i mean you know we speak of we we speak of that hebrew word the ruach, the spirit the the wind the breath of god you know um god was in fire came down and took was it elijah uh you know god was, was a the pillar of cloud that led the israelites through the desert and then the pillar of fire and got the burning bush you know we got, we got all these weather related symbols. Ah. Wow. Argue that even the flood, um, you know, uh, no
1: one, so, yeah, but did anyone confuse the flood for God?
2: Well, I'm sure when they were drowning, they were, <laughs> there's so much God that I'm going to drown. <laughs> just, just saying. Woo.
1: So you're saying there are weather antecedents, um, uh,
2: Oh, I think I think um, you know even even if they weren't like substituted for God, they were they were caused by God. Um, so I think folks would you know they would say that God is God is in the wind. They could hear God in the wind. There there are all these you know ro- again like the wind in your hair romanticized um, ah. explanation. And I think so. Don't of,
1: push the don't push oh. the metaphor too far. Is that what you're saying? <laughs>
2: Let's push it to the limit. Let's see if she'll break. <laughs> uh,
1: so, so what about where Jesus is saying, um, so he says, you know, the wind is blowing wherever it pleases. And then he says, so it is with everyone born of the Spirit. So he's actually referring to people there uh, and relating people born of the Spirit to the wind. Do you right. think that changes it at all?
2: Yeah. I think it's, it's again, another just romanticized way of trying to um, make us feel at one with God.
1: Yeah, so in other words, if if God is um, unpredictable or moves in ways you might not expect or understand, don't be surprised when people who have the spirit in them are surprisingly unpredictable. I think that's fair.
2: Well, I think people are going to be unpredictable regardless of if they got the Spirit of God in them or not I've, I've, Fair, I've enough. Never a Fair enough predict what's going to happen.
1: And uh, it's helpful also, of course, to remember the context of this. Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus, a um, Jewish teacher of the law, and he's talking about issues of salvation and that you must be uh, born again in order to enter the kingdom of God. Um, so he's speaking in sort of a, a salvation, sort of or who's a part of the people of God context. And so my thinking is that perhaps he's reminding uh, Nicodemus that you can't always assume you know who's in and who's on, and who's not in um, with the community of God's people. Uh, you as a an established religious leader, a part of the institution. Might think you have certain controls about who you let in or who's welcome, but guess what god 's going to blow through some of
2: those barriers or really, there is no in or out <laughs> you know the you're reason. supposed to
1: agree with me, and uh... oh, I'm sorry, yes,
2: <laughs> yes Brian
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, maybe you're right, right that maybe the barriers themselves ought to be dissolved. I like that
2: yeah well i think I think there are no barriers per se, I think it's about. Recognition of spirit and yeah. the desire to connect with spirit. I think that's that's the only hindrance, if you will, the the desire. And then one could also argue that whether you want to or not, you are still part of the divine. Divine is still part of you. Your your believing it or accepting it is regardless of the fact. So yeah, tough patukis. You're one with God. <laughs>
1: There you go. There you go. So, um, and you might go wherever you please. You hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. I think that also holds true for this conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Where is it coming from and where is it going? Speaking
2: of. Do we have uh, Tina back? I'm here. Can you hear me? Praises be like the wind just blowing in. So.
1: Tina, how do you feel about the wind? Do you like it, love it, or hate it? She wants to throw a
2: computer to the wind is what she wants to
0: I do I really do um, i I love the wind on a warm day. Um, I love it in the spring and the fall, but in the winter time when it 's bitter cold i 'm not a fan mm.
2: exactly.
1: so, uh, There's nothing I'm, I like have a good.
0: conditional love for it
1: <laughs> <laughs> there we go there we go, exactly. Um, so, by the way, you um, unfortunately were cut out and not able to defend yourself against our accusations. So, um, back to our introductions. Uh, feel free to tell us what you're drinking, introduce yourself, and respond to any accusations. Um,
0: <laughs> my response is, you saw what just happened. It really was not because my boyfriend came home. Um, <laughs> who is really computer problems and if if oga would have thought of what he told me to do last week we wouldn't have any problems
2: okay wow. first of all wow. i thought that's what we were trying to tell you to do but i guess thank we thank you thank you thank you <laughs> we were telling her that last week
0: i'm i'm drinking um, woodwork and i have to i'll make it quick but i have a story behind this um, so as you know most of my a career I spent in printing and two of my favorite years I spent doing wine labels. And that was the first wine label I ever worked on. Um, oh. and it, it was tons of fun. It was a really cool label. And when I found it on the shelf, I got so excited. Um, and so I bought some and just kind of hoped it was decent. Cause it's like 12 to $15 bottle. And, and um, it is my favorite cab by far. It's, it's so, really fruity, but it's really dry. I mean, it's amazing.
1: So, um, Love-hate relationship with wind. Uh, do you think, uh, Tina, that wind is a good analogy for God or the Holy Spirit?
0: I think it's a good analogy, but what I think is a great analogy is the internet is <laughs> like the Holy Spirit <laughs> because, um, and,
2: and like some wind, we suddenly rapidly change direction.
0: <laughs> <laughs> because everybody has access to it, but people are cutting it. Hmm. <laughs>
1: But everyone yeah. has access to it, but not everyone takes advantage.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, but I, I think the wind is a good example. You don't know where it's coming from. You don't know where it's going. Sometimes it's you can feel it really strong. Other times you don't feel it at all.
1: Wow. It's like you quoted Jesus just out of habit.
2: <laughs> out of habit. And out of context. Well <laughs> <laughs> done.
1: So if we think of God like the wind... Um, you know, we have calm days where there's no wind. We have stormy days where there's a lot of wind. Is it pos- And sometimes it seems God is that way. Like you can have a sense that God is active uh, or present or you're in tune with God. And other times it feels like what's happening is God absent. So the question is, is it
2: possible for God to hide? No. I'm gonna Why say- would
0: God want to hide from us?
2: Ah. Where, where would God hide? Where could God go that God isn't? Ooh! Right. Very good.
1: Even even uh, God said to Job, I believe you can go into the depths of the sea. But uh, ta-da, there I am.
2: Well, yeah, like.
1: But how? Well, okay. So how do you explain like uh, the dark night of the soul kind of experience where 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 God seems absent?
2: Well, God seeming absent doesn't mean God isn't there. You know, it's it's like it's like that poem, footprints in the sand. You mm. know. Why is there one set of footprints? Because the sand people walk in single file to hide their numbers? You know? <laughs> exactly.
0: God. No, Brian, it's, oh god. Go
2: no. You go.
0: I, I was just gonna say, Brian, it's kinda like what you said about the internet. It just because it's there, you don't always access it. You know, just cause you're not just because you can't feel God's presence doesn't mean he's not there. What do you right. think?
2: exactly. It's it's God hasn't gone anywhere. I mean that's that's the whole comforting uh context is Psalm twenty three, yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow death, you're with me. Um Ooh. you know You are just
0: quoting scripture tonight. You go. It's, it's, right?
2: it's the whole yeah. garden, man. It's the whole garden. Um but it's, it's that thing. We're, we're human. We're going to have our human responses, our human feelings. We're going to have our human disappointments. We're going to have our, our human tragedies, uh, our human grief experiences. We're going to have all those. Our, our, uh, our inner conflicts. We're going to have our um, crises of faith. We're going to have all kinds of things. Um, that doesn't mean the divine is absent. What that means is we're being temporarily overwhelmed by our human emotional response of things.
1: You know, even if we say that God doesn't hide, I think people use that language quite a bit, uh, that um, I think people go through uh, wilderness experiences, uh, for lack of a better phrase, where you feel like there's just things aren't going as you had planned, and on top of that, you have no sense of God's presence with you in the midst
2: of that struggle. I don't think that's God. I don't think, I think that's us. That's, that's not, that's not God.
1: <laughs> Fair enough. I'm talking, I'm talking subjectively, right? From our experience. I am too. So right. I'm, yeah. I'm I'm, a, I'm not disagreeing with you, but I'm just saying, right. I think people use that convention. Right. And that people, whether it's the actual truth, people may experience it as such. And I think as, um, as pastors, there's, you know, I think a sensitivity to that and awareness of that and not just, oh yeah, God's there. He's right there. You just, it's just you. I mean, I think, well, I see the, you, can't, you know, <laughs> <laughs> good. <laughs> oh, I was getting nervous here.
2: No, but what I, what I, what I say to people when they do say that I don't, they don't feel God or God is gone from their lives. I said, I do tell them, yes, it may feel that way. Do take solace in the fact that god hasn't gone anywhere there's no place for God to go, you know god... take, yeah take
1: solace in the fact that once again you 're wrong
2: no and... no that's what i'm saying no what i'm saying <laughs> is what i'm saying, what i 'm saying is so some you know how sometimes we think we lose something and we can't find it anywhere so here's my experience when i can 't find my keys or I can't find something. I know it's in the house somewhere it has to be uh... I got in the door, I had to have used the keys it's in the house somewhere i mean i can't locate it right this second but i can take comfort in knowing it's somewhere in the house and me and the keys are going to cross past yeah. again is is yeah. that's what kind of what i am saying but what i'm also saying is that when we have these em, these traumatic moments maybe how we have understood and interpreted god and how we have felt our relationship with God was has suddenly shifted so suddenly we feel God's not there so yeah. what it is is an opportunity to reinvent, rediscover, reopen ourselves to a newer, deeper experience of God
1: Yeah, and it's also a crisis of faith when you uh, realize the keys are locked in the car along with the spare set of keys
2: <laughs> Well
1: <laughs> that's, that's just stupidity on your part Let's just you have to call it
2: mean, in that Come case,
1: on. you were wrong. <laughs> in that place, in that time, you do say, God, where are you?
2: Did you did and you says, once again,
1: hand- Brian, that, that, that was you.
2: <laughs> that was you. That was all you. Did you have your God, why have you forsaken me moment?
1: <laughs> oh, man. Very nearly. Very nearly.
2: Oh. Wow.
1: So uh, Michael on Facebook says, we are one with God in life itself. So we are the ones that hide God all part of our spiritual game.
2: Mm, nice. Ooh, that's big. Nice. I like, I, I like that.
1: I like it. And then he gave a follow-up comment in which he says, God is everything, nothing, and the space in between.
2: Yes. Ooh. That's omnipotence right there.
1: Michael with a strong you know, comment game. Well
2: done. A really good point there. Sometimes when stuff so traumatic happens that we can't make sense of it we refuse to admit that god might have had a hand in this or or even worse god didn't have a hand in this and we do that we do the thing where we just go into god denial (laughs) and that's when we feel we can't feel god that makes sense
1: what do you think, Tina? Is God, is God everything, nothing, and the space in between?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think so.
2: We get back our audio, and that's all she gives us. One, I one. know. Yeah. I'm saying. Enough, <laughs> enough, enough said.
0: I'm used to being quiet now.
2: I <laughs> know. Uh, oh, my God.
1: So on the flip side, if there are times where God seems to hide or subjectively we don't sense God, are there other times where it seems easy to find God or to be aware of God? And what's the difference?
2: Hmm. Think on that one for a moment.
0: I, mean, I, I think it's easier to find God when you're emotionally in a good place, when life is calm. You know, it's, it's easier to feel God's presence and see the synchronicities in life and see the miracles um it's usually when crisis hits things we don't understand where we say we we can't find god we're not sure what's going on
2: i think so i'm gonna i'm gonna throw us under the bus again i think that's because we have been spending a lot of time um us just um erroneously associating god with just all the good feels you know if we're in the flow and things are peaceful and things are joyful it's god if it's not it's not god and i think that that's that's a that's a um, an erroneous way of or short-sighted way of looking at or understanding god 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 is god is it all god there's there's no there's no uh what's i want to quote scripture again but it's not coming to me brian help me out there's some verse about something about no one has authority but that which is given by God. Yeah. Some, some, Wait.
1: Say again. You got to give me a little more.
2: Uh, there's no authority. Man has no authority except that which is given by God. And there's some oh, weird. yes. Stories,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus says you 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 have no authority except that which is given to you. By right. God. So
2: so how I yeah. how I metaphysically look at that is saying that there's there's nothing happening in our lives right now that the presence of God is not still always here. There can be no absence of God. So even in the midst...
0: Okay, I, I understand what you're saying, Ogan. but what I'm saying is it's sometimes we get caught up in our ego and, and we, don't, we can't feel God's presence because we're caught up in our heads, we're caught up in emotions. We, it's, it's harder to feel God's presence, not because we think God forsake us or left us, but it's just, it's harder when you're in that space. I'm not so- saying we blame God or or you know, God's responsible for the good times and when the bad times are here, it's not God too. I'm just saying it's emotionally we can't feel God because we're so caught up in our own selves.
2: So I so rather than say it's harder for us to feel God, I would say it's harder for us to get centered.
0: Okay. Isn't that where we feel God? Isn't that where we feel God's presence?
2: But or but I can feel God's ugh, I can't even talk right now. Um I would say yes that's also but not only where we feel God's presence we can feel God's presence in the midst of the crisis as well if we practice it like we feel God when we're centered because that's where we expect to feel God that's where we practice feeling God that's where we still our mind but you know we I I, I maintain and that that in the midst of crisis and trauma we can we can feel the presence of god as well we just have to realize that or or separate our emotional response not saying it's easy i'm not saying we can all do it
0: yeah because we feel centered even in the midst of crisis
1: and my my challenge i think with this kind of thinking is is that it uh it puts the onus entirely on us like it's it's your fault that you're not experiencing god and and you know, there may be truth to that, um, but I think uh, there's also, I I don't know, could, could there be an elusiveness to God and could also there be the gift of God's presence that isn't dependent on me or me getting it right or me practicing perfectly where God just avails him or herself itself? But here's,
2: my, here's my problem with that light of thinking is that, how do you explain if God decides not to avail itself to one of us? So why, wait, God? Why you suddenly, why you suddenly vacate the coupon? Me, like, what did I do wrong? So,
1: just, yeah, yeah. You so you chalk that so, up to predestination and say,
2: "Bummer." Ah, ah, do back you feel back, like that's a judgment? A um, well, no, because I don't think that's how God works.
0: <laughs> well, I know, but I'm saying but, with what Brian just said, do you feel like that's a judging God when yeah, He's like, like, "Oh, I'm withholding right, right now."
2: Yeah, I feel that's a that's a fickle, temperamental, subjective God, and I think God is beyond that. That those are human qualities we put on a God. God is yeah, God fair is. Fair
1: enough, fair yeah. enough. There's certainly scriptural okay. precedents right. for that, such as when Israel's um in um exile and then, you know, kinda of, God, where are you? And then also they come back uh, and rebuild the temple, but it's not like God's presence is there like it was when God filled the temple the first time with you know, a cloud of smoke and you know display of power. It was kind of like, well, we're pretty sure this was how we did it before, but is God in there? We're not
2: really sure. So, but to go back to what you said about 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 the blame, so it's not. I I I really you know want to I guess take a step back and not make it an accusatory thing. You don't feel God because you're doing something wrong. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying okay. you don't feel God, but God hasn't gone anywhere. And what you're going through right now, yes, is, is so hard to handle that, like as Tina was saying, the emotions and the feelings around it are are so overwhelming, like that may be all you feel. So I say to, you know, what I say to people in that place is feel your feelings. Don't try to avoid them. Don't try to sh- uh, uh, take a shortcut. Feel them. Be in them. Like if you want to yell and be angry at God, yell and be angry at God. Do whatever feels appropriate for you right now. And at the same time, you're doing all of this in the back of your mind. Hold that truth. God hasn't gone anywhere. God hasn't done this to you. God hasn't caused this. And I think that helps people find a way back to that place of feeling the divine quicker when they realize I'm having a human response right here. It is an overwhelming one. I'm not going to be in this place of human overwhelm feeling forever. And... And that feeling of connection with God is going to be there because God hasn't gone anywhere. So, so I take the long route to yeah. phrase it that way. we got a one-hour no, show. Yeah,
1: no, and, and yeah, we'll wrap this up here in a second to get to the next topic. But I, I think that is an important point that ultimately there could be a, a, a worse sense of despair and a lack of pastoral concern by saying, well, God maybe just chose to disappear or be absent from you at this time. There actually is more hope, ultimately, in God is always there, and I just need to, again, arrive at that place in which I'm aware of the presence.
2: Yeah, and however long it takes you to get there, that's okay. Exactly. Sometimes when you get there, suddenly God looks different because the experience you've had has changed you, and if it's changed you... Then, you know, then the relationship. It's like when you, it's like in a human relationship, when you change, all of a sudden the parameters of the relationship need to change as well. Um, So, so it's, I think it's the same thing with God, but we got to realize we're the only ones that are ever changing (laughs) because God's not changing.
1: There you go. So, we've said that uh, God is in fact always there, but there's at least one minister who thinks otherwise, uh, and that is. Greta Vosper, a minister with the United Church of Canada and our question: who is an atheist. And our question is, can a minister be an atheist? We'll let Tina go first.
0: Um, so, I okay, the, if the question is can a minister be an atheist? My answer is yes. Um in this case, however, I have to say Every church, no matter how inclusive we say they are, every church, every business, every organization is like a, a living, breathing organism on, it, on its own. And every one of them has parameters. Okay? They have, whether it's written or not, they have rules, they have guidelines, they have laws. If one of their basic guidelines, one of their core values is to believe in God, then I kind of see where they're coming from. There are other churches okay, so kind of- that, that's not a core value and, and that, you know, she could go. But if, if a core value, and I, I, when I was walking to I was equating it to breaking a law. So if the church has these laws in place and she's broken this law because she she's came out and said she's an atheist, but she's, her, her congregation loves her, she still, te- you know, teaches love and, and community and all this other stuff that law is, you know, is it old? Is it, you know, do we still want that law? And if they decide yes, then I get how she's not upholding their laws and she needs to go.
2: So it depends upon the context. Everything depends upon context. context? Well, yeah.
0: I mean, I could see a unity minister not believing in God. I could see a, um, what are they called, um, the churches of spiritual living or whatever. You know what and I'm and talking about.
2: It. Spiritual living.
0: Yeah, um, I could see them having ministers that are atheists.
1: So uh, what do you think, Ogan? I know you've been thinking about this today, and there was certainly some conversation happening online about it, but do you yeah. think a minister can serve without believing in God?
2: So so my first knee-jerk response, which is why I've learned not to ever maybe pull stuff from my first knee-jerk response, because it's usually not the best one, um, was absolutely she can... She's changed her view of what God means, and they should let her serve as long as she's still serving her constituents. They're idiots. That was kind of my first judgmental knee-jerk response. Um, and then I, then I thought about it some more, and and it was interesting. Um, here's one of the, the posts on my page from uh, Joseph. He says, I think when you lying, and I think it's along the lines of what Tina was saying, <clears throat> I think when you align yourself with a particular domination or belief system, your spiritual teachings are a representation for that individual theology, and I can completely understand why they want her out. In the same fashion, we in the New Thought Church who believe in a monistic panentheistic view wouldn't want a minister who taught an evangelical Christian doctrine that people go to hell and need salvation through worship in Jesus. It sounds like she's teaching a good message and just needs to continue doing it from a less traditionally Christian pulpit. Yeah. Um, so when I read that, yep. I was like, huh, that's right. What I want in a unity church, if I'm going to be gone from my church on one Sunday, do I want a minister who's going to come in and preach a totally different doctrine? Even yeah, one, you don't want me filling even, in. That to, oh, <laughs> hell no. Yeah. Um, <laughs>
0: Did you just say hell no? <laughs> wow.
2: I'll, I'll wait for my invitation. Come on. Come on. He, he, set a, okay. he, set the, he set the volley so great. I had to spike it.
1: It was too, it was too tempting not to. No, no. So continue. Oh. If you're not going to be there and you've got to find a replacement.
2: Right. I'm not going to invite someone like, like this post-ed said is evangelical Christian that tells people they need to be saved by Jesus and do an altar call. And on the flip side, I'm also not going to invite an atheist. Now I may invite an atheist to come have a on-stage dialogue with me like sometimes I do interface dialogues in my church I'll invite an atheist and we'll have a conversation but in in my spiritual community god is real god is the central you know context concept of our denomination as well it's a different View of God than other people have, but it's there. So I wouldn't invite that person to come speak either. Richard Dawkins is not going to come do a platform talk at my church. It's not going to happen. Fair he's, enough. The guy who died, because I forget which one was nope. it was. Okay. No, no, he's, he's,
1: uh, he's alive and well. Okay. Last I knew.
2: Who's the one that died? Anyway, so 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 I get why they was now. Here's the flip side of this. What I want to ask her, what I want to ask her is, why would you want to continue serving? In a con in this context, why would you want to continue serving for a denomination that asks you to profess allegiance to a god or a creed that you no longer believe?
0: Because it's her congregation; she's comfortable there. It's like outgrowing out clothing. It's,
2: it's your it's con- heartbreaking. Yeah, it's your congregation, but you got you got to think of congregations as like franchises. You know, like you. I can own a McDonald's franchise. And it's my store, but I still gotta get them golden arches up. I still gotta serve the Big Macs like it's served. Yeah. She's she's a congr yeah, she's a minister and has a congregation, but it's within the context of a denomination. So it's it's no different than than in Unity. If I suddenly decided that I didn't wanna teach any unity teachings and I just wanted to, I don't know, go off on some tangent and and just speak everything entirely Buddhist, you know, sure, we accept all paths to God, but that's not unity teaching. So I'm going to, you know, it's not going to be a good fit.
1: So my um, my thought is I think she's, let's see, she's been there I think 18 or 19 years um, serving and no doubt she's been on a journey from when she first entered uh, that denomination, entered the ministry She's been growing. Her views have changed. She does not believe now in an interventionist supernatural God. Right. She preaches about love, kindness, and human connection. Um, so my thought is she's a part of a denomination that is uh, quite liberal, probably has a number of clergy who do not believe in an interventionist supernatural God. Yep. Um, and so if they want to start drawing that line there, I think... I think they're doing themselves a disservice because I think any denomination that claims to be progressive and liberal and open-minded and welcoming to people wherever they are and whatever they believe, I think they always have to have people who are sort of out on the forefront, on the edge, pushing the boundaries. Even if that's not, doesn't line up part and parcel with where the denomination as a whole is. I think that's healthy. Um, And I think she had a role there. And so she went on a journey and her congregation went on that journey with her in large part. They still support her um, and don't want to leave her and will probably choose to stay with her and leave the denomination if that's a choice they have to make. Um, But I think, you know, as she said, I'm sad for the many clergy and members and individuals in leadership in the UCC, the United Church of Canada, who are now also being told they need to keep quiet about their true beliefs or risk censure, and I but would Brian, echo her 100%.
0: That, that's a very important statement, Brian, because she's um, she's kind of like, like I totally agree with everything you just said, but she's kind of the sacrificial lamb at the beginning of change, and nobody, no other clergyman did stand up and say, I agree with her, me too. I think it would have been a different story if, if 10 other ministers stood up and said, we agree with her, we're the same way. But, but she's standing a alone good question. right
1: now. Uh, well, I don't know if she is or not. I think that's a good question. I know I have um, some other friends in that denomination who are very sad to see this. They may not be of the same belief as her, at least uh, one person I'm thinking of. But I know he totally supports her ability to serve in that denomination. I don't know if how vocal he's been about it publicly. Um,
2: and, 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 and I, I
1: got to think there's others who are like, yeah, well, well,
2: Absolutely, and we can't boil down. We can't boil down ministry to, to a creed or credo. We can't boil down the effectiveness of a minister in her congregation to like one belief system. Um, you know, it's it's it is an it's a rather unfair thing. And on on many levels, I agree with you. Uh, a loss to the denomination, and at the same time, you know. A, if, a, if these are the parameters, whether they're right or wrong, and I don't believe there's a right or wrong, I believe there just is. And for yep. this particular denomination, these are the parameters they have set. They, there's a difference between pushing the boundaries, and this is, this is beyond pushing the boundaries. Like, you're not saying, you know, it's not like she's saying, hey, you know, we need to shift our view from the anthropomorphic God to the, you know, divine presence that doesn't have form or shape. You know, she's like, yeah, they're no God at all.
1: Yeah, or, but I wonder if she, honestly, though, I, it's kind of why I wish we could have had her on the show here tonight. Um, I wonder even how invited. she would respond to that view.
2: Right, and I'm making the assumption based on how people traditionally use the word atheist. You know? That's right. Because, I mean, technically, with the, very, with, the, with the actual definition of atheist, which means you're not a theist, I'm an atheist too. I'm not a theist. I don't, you know, you know what I'm saying, my definition of 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 a of a god, you know, of how theism is defined, I,
0: technically yeah,
1: I you also wrong. don't believe in that god. Okay,
2: that's
0: kind I, of funny I, though cuz you just said you wouldn't let an atheist speak on your pulpit.
2: Again, how we traditionally culturally use the word atheist, which means we don't believe in any god at all or any divine any yeah. any divinity. That's culturally how and I think this is this is why there is this this fur and this uproar so what may be interesting would be to ask her when you say you don't believe in god are you saying literally yeah. you don't believe in any sort of divine understanding or interpretation or presence or are you simply not believing in the way god has been traditionally interpreted within her denomination
1: yeah i think that's a key question and you know this article in the toronto star says that she does not believe in an interventionist supernatural God
2: I don't believe in that either
1: right I mean I've got my own doubts uh, right along with her and so uh, you know it doesn't really say
2: he's away from unity
1: (laughs) yeah it doesn't say that she doesn't you know doesn't say anything else I guess so we're sort of assuming and who's who's describing the word atheist to her I you know is she owning that I I guess she's not oh it does she calls herself an atheist so there you go uh, but I think she just needs more exposure to the divine love that's always present.
2: So I want to read another, I want to read another quote from somebody <laughs> else who responded. Uh, Please. Uh, uh, Jesse. Um, he was a good friend of mine. Jesse,
1: Ooh, Former, Turner. former guest on our show.
2: Yes. Yes, he was. Oh, we have to have him back. I got to ask him. He would have been a great person for tonight. What didn't I think of that? Anyways. Mm. Um, He said part of following Jesus is the cultivation of love and relationship not only with fellow humans, but also the God to whom he prayed and in whom he trusted. Indeed, there are enough leaders within the Church of Canada who embrace this principle to draw a theological boundary there. Atheism is great, and we Christians can certainly learn from dialogue with atheist brothers and sisters. And they most certainly would be welcome in Christian community. Yet, I tend to think some sense of divine transcendence is part and parcel of christian identity and i think and i think yeah, that, I, th- I mean that 's where they 're drawing the line to come out and say that, and i 'm not making her wrong trust th- th- i 'm not trying to say she 's wrong; her personal yeah. view and and how she chooses to relate and understand god is is up to her, and she 's perfectly right for having what it is we all go through phases <laughs> where our understanding of the divine shifts however if one's going to work in a church that says here here's how we identify ourselves and part of that is you know <laughs> god's got to be in there somewhere
1: right? right your main job teach people about god
2: you know well can't do that <laughs> <laughs> all right so i think the other piece we we're missing is I don't think she suddenly woke up one night and shocked her congregation with this. I'm no. sure her, her evolution is something that happened gradually over time that she would have gently led her congregation through in terms of her talks and how she showed up, which is why they're still very loyal to her. Um, yeah, we're just hearing the tail end of it. We're just hearing the oh, she's atheist and they're kicking her out, and we're all yeah, like, yeah. Ah.
1: And this has been a process, I think, that started at like a year ago. This whole right. review of her position, and they're just now sort of coming up with this decision. So certainly, her journey's been unfolding for a couple decades, if not longer. Uh, certainly, that's true. And as you said, I'm sure her journey that at some level she was transparent with her community. About where she was. But I love that this uh, one member of hers, uh, according to this story, is a 96 year old woman named Jean. And she says, Wherever Greta goes, I go. And she says, I'm 96 years old and I might drop dead, but I don't want to do it until I see Greta get out of this quagmire. (laughs) I love it. Someone else commented on Twitter tonight and he said um, to the question, Can a minister be an atheist? Depends on what you mean by both minister and atheist. There you go. (laughs) So Douglas wanted more, more extrapolation on the
0: terms. And he's right. I mean, he's kind of right. You know, it depends what church you can be minister and what kind of atheist. Ogan just said, there's many different versions of atheist.
2: Yeah. 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 I think culturally, culturally atheists has become to understood as we don't believe in the you know, the interventionist anthropomorphic God, but there are many other ways to understand and interpret God. And, you know, so, so there's, so there's that. Um,
1: yep. Yep. And it's interesting that she, we don't know that she speaks or does not speak of those other ways of thinking of God, but she does claim atheists, which makes you think she does not.
2: Right. Maybe. I don't know.
0: But you have to think about this. Okay. So she's probably going to lose her church. Because they feel this way, she's going to end up writing a book, going on tour for the next year or two, and well then she's going to settle down at a unity church and be perfectly happy. Or she'll become a great speaker for you know, this this may seem yeah. really bad for her, but it's a launching point. Oh, no, well,
1: I, I mean, and she's course. been speaking and writing books for quite some time, which is partly why she's in trouble. <laughs> but <laughs> but you're right; she's gotten even more attention, Tina. So new opportunities will unfold.
2: And here's and it'll be interesting to it, it would be interesting if she wanted to become a unity minister because our first basic our first our first core principle there's one presence and one power in the universe God the good omnipotence so like if she's saying I don't believe
0: in God like
2: you know yikes
0: I guess we'll find out how open and <laughs> inclusive unity really is
2: <laughs> exactly
1: that's what um, I'm waiting for
2: oh uh, listen. <laughs> Listen, here's, here's the truth about any church. All are welcome to sit in the pews, but all aren't welcome to become ordained. We know this. Oh,
1: man, this is true, and I actually agree with that.
2: We've got a process, you know. We've got we to process an ordination process. That people I got it.
0: Like yeah. I said, every, every church, every company, you have core values. The people that are leading have to believe in the core values.
1: Got to go with the core values. I mean, I, I so get it, and at, at the same time. Uh,
2: <laughs> what's your struggle Brian well I mean I, I just
1: I just love her preaching about love kindness and human connection I think you could you can be a Christian who preaches those things and I think you can be a Christian and not believe in God because I think Christian means follower of Jesus and I think you can follow Jesus in terms of emulating his life Absolutely.
0: teachings and way I think of being most, but I think most Christians have a very different view than you do Brian
1: well, I'm not saying most Christians think that way, but I think you could still use that term to describe a Christian who doesn't believe in God.
2: Right, but here's the interesting question. So, so while that is a really and probably the most appropriate way to define and express Christianity, sadly, here we are at 2015, and we have all these different contexts slash denominations yep. in which to practice that, because it's not just that christianity evolved to a place where well, of course there's, you know a lot of different understandings and i wouldn't even say evolved too it started this way i keep reminding people you know right when christianity started there were more you know offshoot culty schisms than we have now if anything it's become more simplified uh,
1: and well there. i wouldn't quite go that far but it was well
2: more codified at least we'll go with codified
1: yeah, well, that that's true. That's true, but yeah, you know, definitely but, there were multiplicity right. of paths from the start. You're right,
2: I, I, exactly. So, so I I think the core is the 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 trick is to find if you want to be a church minister within a denomination, find the one that best aligns with your own personal beliefs, and if none of them do, start your own. I know, but see, she has yeah. been
1: on a journey for nearly twenty years, so it's not like because what they said was if we were interviewing her. For as a new candidate for ministry today, we wouldn't pass her. But it's like, but you're not. You did that 20 years ago, and she passed.
2: So yeah, because she believed what they believed 20. Hey, years ago. come on! I'm just saying. Everybody changes and
0: grows. I'd be yeah, happy exactly. if the minister changed and grew.
2: I don't disagree with her changing and growing. I think it's a wonderful. Thing. I'd have been more worried if 20 years later she still believed the same thing she started. <laughs> at uh, you know day one. Yeah. she
1: you should don't. have said that at the at the <laughs> hearing and and said drop drop Mike.
0: We, we defended so many people.
2: <laughs> why?
0: How did I, I believe the same thing since birth. <laughs> Nobody.
2: Listen, there's no minister to going <laughs> to say I still believe the same thing I did when I walked across the stage and got my ordination. If you have, then, you know, work a little harder. Come on. Yeah,
1: yeah come on, man. Practice your faith. Yeah.
2: Evolution family. is part of this whole gig. We got it, you all. Evolution,
1: evolve. next week's episode.
2: There you go this summer this summer, at our unity conference I did, uh, I did a presentation with another minister about Church of the future and one of the things that I talked about was the rise of atheist churches uh, around the world yeah. and, and here in the United States and again, atheist churches communities that have taken all the positive aspects of church, so that sense of community, camaraderie, fellowship service all those different things um and come together in that but without the without the theology without the having to try to make sense of a theology that they don't want to subscribe to now i'm not saying that's where she goes or where she ends up but what i'm saying is this i think she's being emblematic of a shift that is happening and now you know, before we would think this is just happening to ordinary lay people. No, this is this is clergy as well, that, that absolutely is having this transformation.
1: Absolutely, and I think you know, I think the positive uh, side of her being in a Christian denomination, like she is, is that she creates space for people who think just like she does. And so when there's a person in leadership who can come out and say, I don't believe in an interventionist supernatural God, and I'm not going to pretend I do, but yet I can still preach about love, kindness, human connection, in the spirit of um, our Judeo-Christian tradition, connecting to the Hebrew and Christian scriptures and Jesus and all that, then other people are like, oh, there's space for me in this community. And as soon as you censure a leader explicitly for that reason, I mean, if your denomination's already losing members, you're just speeding up that process.
2: Or not. I mean, or, or not. Because, because for other people, for other members, having God might be the cornerstone of why they're in that place. And maybe uh-huh. not her community because she's been with them all along and there they, they realize that this individual is just more than a belief in God. She's, you know, she's there for the birth of her babies and the death of her families, and she's holding my hand when I'm sick. There's much more to this job than, than your belief system.
1: You know? Yeah, but so do you, I mean, so do you really think a person on the street who's not going to church might be like, oh, good, they kicked out that atheist minister. I think I'm going to go back to church this Sunday. I, I don't no. think it's helping them retain members or gain new members. I, I, right.
2: I think it's going to have a zero-sum effect.
1: Uh, Trust me, I, I think it'll person, have a negative effect.
2: The, the The person walking the street is not gonna walk into or not walk into church based on the minister's belief and paradigm. They're gonna come when they're ready because you have churches across the spectrum. I mean, you got you got churches that you know, if you want to get as fringe as you know, the snake handling, fire and brimstone churches, to right. You know, to to the other side, unity churches. Yeah, I'm throwing us under the bus. You know, we, we have the other, we're on the other side of the fringe here. I'm kidding. But, you know, there are they're they're other spiritual movements that are even, you know, more fringy than we are. So you have stuff across the spectrum. So So anybody can find a place at any point in time to match whatever level of belief they're at.
1: True enough, true enough. But, you know... Uh, places are funny things, you know, people are connected to denominations uh, for a lot of different reasons, most often cultural, sociological, and honestly theological um, theological uh, connection is not always chief among the reasons people are part of any given community, uh, denomination, uh, or whatever. And so I think, again, she makes space for people who are where she is.
2: And I think, but I think theologically for some people it is. And, and I'm, you know, my only frame of reference for that is Catholic. Like, I know there are people who, you know, born into Catholic families, were raised Catholic, and wherever they move to, they're going to go find a Catholic church. They find it. Right. Baptists are the same way. Methodists are the same. And, you know, Methodist church. I I
1: was that, my family was that way. Right.
2: Methodist church, you know, going through something similar with the whole LGBTQ issue, like, you know, and, and they're in a place where it won't be long before we, we, we have a group of Methodists splitting off from everybody because they're like, we, we no longer hold to this idea that it's wrong for clergy and members to be gay or lesbian or bisexual or transgender and, and you know, or we can't marry them or stuff like that. So so I, I think this is simply another evolution of a movement and like, you know, what Tina said earlier, she's like on that really sharp, narrow, pointy leading edge, you know, and that's not often a comfortable place to be.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So what about the language of the committee who made this decision? They said, after much uh, prayer and discussion, we found uh, her unsuitable to continue serving. And by the way, they voted 19 to 4 in favor of finding her unsuitable.
2: So when <laughs> whenever committees say uh, prayer and discussion, I want to use air quotes after my <laughs> yeah, exactly. prayer and <laughs> you know? exactly. like, Yeah. <laughs> uh huh. Um,
1: yep. Well, you know that's even there's that's even in the Bible that kind of language. Yeah. Of course.
2: Funny how you all prayed and discussed, but it wasn't a unanimous outcome. So like, are we all different, hearing different voices of God there? You know, prayer mm. and discussion. Um, uh, or they hearing from not God. Well, that's my point. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so Tina, Tina, who's gone mute, is still typing in on the discussion. Good for you. Uh, read in my mind, they weighed what they thought was the best for the future of, their, of the church. Uh, yeah, they're basically saying, this is who we are. This is how we choose to describe ourselves. And this is what we ask the people who choose to align themselves with us um and they're within their rights to say that they're also within their rights to question and expand and you know shift those parameters but um that's 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 the tricky part whenever you form a denomination or an organization you got to say this is who we are this is what we're about Mm. and and you know how much do you stick to that in terms of defining yourself
1: yeah, it's a good question. I know uh, for the UCC in the U.S., which I am currently joining, um, from the Congregationalist beginnings, there what ties the Congregations together is not a set of theological beliefs, but more a set of uh, sort of ethical and moral values. I'm, at least uh, I read that in one spot, um, among others. And so I think there's you know, there's theological assumptions, but there's not this rigid. We have to all agree on certain theological issues um, for you to be a part of this. But the whole atheism question—I don't know if that's come up in the U.S. Uh, UCC. It'd be interesting to find that out.
2: It, it it will be, but you know, again, if if I decide that, so so I'll I'll reflect my own spiritual crisis when I was in seminary and thinking that, you know, unity was right. Unity was the way and unity had it together. Um, and then realizing like, yeah, no, that's not the case. Unity is, you know, just a way of many ways. And, you know, so the question came up to me for myself was, can I um, authentically with myself stand before a congregation and preach unity teachings? Um knowing that yeah, you don't you don't have to believe in them or they're not the absolute kind of deal. And yes, I could. And and I say that to people in classes. I say it from the pulpit as well. These teachings are a way to understand our divine nature and our divine self. They're not the only way. And if they're not working for you, let us help you find the place in the teachings that will.
1: Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So so I mean that I mean that's what you can do is share from where you are and exactly. and then and be open to welcoming people wherever they are and for some people uh, given congregation or denominational setting will be just what they're looking for and for others it will be something not, else.
2: Now they will you know so so now when I ask myself the question, if I were to get to a point in my spiritual evolution where I stop believing in any kind of divine presence at all. Like there is nothing that we really literally just made this all up. And it's a whole bunch of balloony, you know, and when I'm feeling the divine presence, I'm just really making it all up in my head. Now, if I get to a place where that's where my belief is, I don't know that I can still serve as a minister in a church. I mean, that's the question i oh. have to ask myself. What am I going to say on Sunday? Like, you know yep, yep. and maybe it becomes a case where um you know i i create an organization or something for people who are in this same place and can still offer you know a pastoral care a safe place can still do all the other things associated with ministry aside from from that place so it'll be interesting what what would have been interesting is if they didn't If they said to her, fine, continue serving, if she would have continued to have felt comfortable calling herself a United Church of Canada minister and somebody says, well, you know, I looked up on the website. Here's what United Church of Canada believes. Do you believe this? At some point, if she keeps getting the, you know, you don't believe this, but you're here, you know, would she at some point go, yeah, that's a good question. Why am I still here? You know? Yeah, but see, I think I
1: just am coming out of that scenario myself with the denomination that I uh, am leaving, uh, the Christian Reformed Church, for the United Church of Christ. Um, there were theological things that I just didn't believe anymore, and I wasn't shy about that. And I blogged about it, and wrote yeah, a book, that but wrote, even wrote a published a book that said as much. Uh, and yet, I felt like. You know, why are we having to stick to these archaic beliefs, uh, literally, that were written 500 years ago in the late Middle Ages? And we need to have space in our circles for people who think differently. And so I stayed as long as I could to try to create space for people to feel welcome in those communities. But eventually, I guess I got to a place where it didn't feel true to who I was.
2: But, uh, But here's the common thing between where you left and where you are god's they're still god <laughs> yeah there's still yeah true <laughs> you know they're still they're still that
1: so yeah that's so, true true enough but i you know i but aren't, aren't uh isn't the united church of canada missing out on a huge market share by saying atheists aren't welcome
2: i don't think they're saying atheists aren't welcome in our community things i think what they're saying is uh, in terms of a ministerial representation of what we believe. I gotcha. you isn't it.
1: <laughs> but what, what better way to say we welcome uh, you wherever you are and whatever you believe than to say we have clergy who believe whatever you believe?
2: Well, then what's the point of having a denomination? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just pushing it, man.
1: It's tricky, diversity and pluralism within yeah. community. There's tension.
2: Yeah. There, there is i'm not i'm not saying we have to have denominations i'm not making that argument but i'm just saying no, no,
1: no i get it you, you know it's worth asking what ties us together why are we together versus being elsewhere that's a valid question and i i understand completely what you and tina were saying i just think i would have felt better if they would have said carry on friend you're doing good work
2: and, and she is. I don't I don't think they're doubting that she's doing good work as a minister. Like I said, being a minister is not limited to your belief system. There's so many other aspects to ministry that she may be doing an exemplary job of. I don't think we'd have, you know, uh, that 90-something-year-old woman saying, I'll go wherever she goes if she hadn't been doing an exemplary job in all the other um, areas that, that – entails being a minister but yeah when you say, i'm a minister of a certain denomination you're basically saying i'm gonna i'm i'm a representative of what this denomination believes and you're welcome to change your belief but understand that may mean you gotta change your context of where you practice Ooh. your belief
1: Ooh. all right all right fair enough well i think we are at our time and uh was that your final word Ogan, or do you have uh any any parting wisdom.
2: Oh, by the way, happy birthday. We've got to tell Tina happy birthday. She just had a birthday this weekend.
1: Happy birthday, Tina. Yeah.
2: Woohoo! What's happening over there? Happy birthday. <laughs> so my I
1: mean, my my thought is, uh, and of course I'm I think at a setting like this, pub theology conversations, of course anyone is welcome, no matter what you believe or don't believe. And so uh, there is no bar at all for pub no theology, which is why I love it. Although maybe if you drink Bud Light, you might not be welcome. But other than that, you know, if you're drinking wine, a good craft beer, scotch, um, you're welcome right. to join the conversation.
2: And I think if you're, drinking, if you're drinking Bud Light, just don't tell us.
1: Just, <laughs> just keep that – just don't out yourself on that. Uh, but I think what I love about that is just this uh, this unbelievable welcome, that you are a human – person, with a story, um, with experiences, with wisdom, with a narrative. And we want to learn from that. We want to hear from that. And we want you to be a part of the conversation. We want you to pull up a chair at the table. And I think for me, it's hard to not also want to bring that in the church setting because there, also, I want people to be welcome wherever they believe, uh, whatever they believe or don't believe. And I don't think you're saying they aren't. You're saying, what is the person in leadership representing? And I get that difference, but I'm going to have to come down on the other side. But that's good, and that's why we have these conversations. Exactly. Thank you, friends, for tuning in to Pub Theology Live. Please uh, connect and spread the word on social media. Share uh, share, uh, a podcast that you liked, one of our episodes. You can catch all our prior episodes on SoundCloud, Stitcher, or iTunes. Leave us a review on iTunes so that would be awesome. Give a comment to what we're talking about. Give us your thought to the questions we're discussing on this show and you may have a chance to win free beer from our sponsor Craft beer Cellar. and you can also find a uh, conversation like this happening near you at pubtheology.com. That's it for tonight. Yeah and we are out.) There it is.
2: Can you You hear me now?
0: Yeah. What? Son of a bitch.